This is the Coach's Wife Life Podcast, where Kristen Urgel, a longtime TV sports reporter and college football coach's wife, goes one-on-one with her fellow coaches' wives. We will uncover the stories of the strong women who are the backbone of college athletics and athletics of all levels. And now, Coach's Wife Life. In this episode, I learned so much about handling adversity. I was completely moved and inspired. Trisha McIntyre said some things that have challenged and changed me. Listen to what she says about being intentional with building instead of tearing down. I'm so excited to have Trisha McIntyre with us today. Trisha is the wife of Mike McIntyre, defensive coordinator for the Ole Miss Rebels. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, thank you for having me, Kristen. Thank you for providing this platform for us coaches, wives to come alongside each other as we live out this special, unique calling. <laughs> You're exactly right. Now, you are back in Oxford, Mississippi. How does it feel to be back in the SEC? You know, it feels great to be back in Oxford. Um, I don't, I guess you knew that we were there before, but I don't know if you knew how long ago. Um, It was in 1998 that we moved there. And at that time, we had a six year old, a three year old, and a two week old. And so um, we were at a completely different stage of life. And you know, now we move back and um, 17 years later, um, we're empty nesters. So it's a, a new chapter for us. And um, it's been pretty neat to already have relationships established. Mm-hmm. And we really had a great time while we were there for the four years we were there before. And um, our kids have great memories. And so everybody's been very welcoming. And, you know, we built some lifelong friendships there. So to be able to return there has been such a blessing. Those are some young ages for your kids. The last time, those are very special memories. You know, some first steps, I yeah. would imagine, that got taken in Oxford and elementary school. Very special memories for sure. Yes, for sure. And what was interesting is um, our newborn, who was only two weeks in the transition of the move, um, he ended up developing RSD. And so we stopped off at Vanderbilt Hospital for a week with that. And then when we moved to Oxford, you know, he was doing the breathing treatments four times, you know, a day and that kind of thing. So one of my best friends during that time was our pediatrician. (laughs) Yes, without question. Now, our paths crossed recently a few weeks back at the Maxwell Football Club Awards Gala, where our husbands were both winning awards. Your husband, Mike, was awarded the Get in the Game Impact Award winner presented by the Andy Talley Bone Mirror Foundation. What led to this honor? Well, Mike was introduced to the Bone Mirror donation when we were at the Dallas Cowboys, and that's when he actually became part of the registry and was chosen as a potential match. And so he went personally through some of the process of becoming a match for somebody to save their life. Mm -hmm. And so that was his first introduction. He didn't end up being the perfect match. So, uh, but he went through the initial process and, and a couple of the stages into, and then eventually they find the best match for that person. And he was not the best match. But um, that was his introduction. So when he became a head coach, when we went to San Jose State, um, he was reintroduced through one of our assistant coaches that he hired who had been doing it um, at a Division III school. And there hadn't been a whole lot done at the Division I level. And so it was a natural thing for him to begin at San Jose State. So that was for nine years, um, he was able to raise awareness for Be the Match. And um, what that entailed really was getting our team involved and trying to get new, new donors on the registry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think between uh, San Jose State and Colorado, we were able to get over 2,000 new donors registered. Um, and then within that time, there were nine that um, actually were matches and got to try to save a life. So it's a pretty cool thing and something that's fairly easy in that all you have to do is get on the registry and then they take it from there to determine whether you're the match. And of course, everybody always has the option, if chosen to be the match, whether they will go through with that. But we haven't had many people 
that aren't excited about the possibility of saving a life. Why is this initiative so special for you and Mike to be a part of? Just that there, that you can save a life through it. I mean, you know, we're given um, these platforms, you know, we want to be obedient to that call in whatever way we can serve our community or um, just serve our fellow man. And as you know, you know, when you have a dire need as far as someone sick in your family, um, you would do anything, you know, to help that person have the best chance at life. And so, you know, I think it's important for these young men to understand that, you know, we all have a chance to um, save somebody's family member or maybe our own just by doing something as simple as being on the registry and then being available if we happen to become that match. On the field, have you ever been in a crowded stadium? Everyone's going absolutely insane, 80,000 plus on hand. You spot your husband on the sideline. You look at maybe a family member that has known you your entire life. You know, we always have, you know, siblings or parents that come to the game. And you just say to yourself, I can't believe we do this for a living. <laughs> well, you know, I marvel at the Lord's faithfulness to us, but um, that being in the good and the bad times of life. And um, I guess we're coming up to being married 30 years, so we've been doing this a long time. And, um, you know, he stretched us so much and taken us places we could have never imagined we would be through football. And we built relationships with special people all over the country. And we've had the privilege of doing life with all of these people in different cultures and different places. And our kids have been raised in, in different places, broadening their perspective and giving them firsthand experiences that have enriched their lives. And we've been able to enjoy successes and weather storms together because of this business and the unique joys and challenges of this lifestyle. Um, when thinking about that question, you know, we don't really know anything different than this life, but we're really thankful as we look back over it for the Lord's faithfulness in the good and the bad. Now, Mike is a two-time national coach of the year. He's coached in the NFL for the Cowboys. You mentioned it, New York Jets, turned programs around as a head coach. But from your eyes, that's the media's eyes. What, from your eyes, what do you think makes Mike McIntyre special? Well, first of all, you know, sometimes you're recognized for what you do every day, but most times you're not. Mm. And um, I think that's important for, you know, everybody to remember. Um, but I guess since I've known Mike since we were both 13, you know, I've seen him through every chapter, almost every chapter of his life. And, um, I guess the first thing that, you know, I would say about him is that his passion for doing this is, of course, for football, but more importantly, for young men and for building, you know, watching the boy become a man and um, getting to play a role in that young man's life um, and filling a gap um, that the parents sort of hand you the torch you know, for four years, and you get to come alongside and help those parents and fill that gap and um, hopefully plant some really positive um, seeds that, you know, may or may not take root <laughs> until later in your life, but, you know, you get to play that role. So that is the most important thing about Mike is that he loves and cares about these young men and that his vision for being a football coach is includes much more than football, that mm -hmm. football is a vehicle for um, being able to love and um, challenge and grow young men that hopefully will go out into the society and be great husbands and great fathers and um, great employees and um, contributors to society as whole. You both have lived an example through great times and times of adversity. You know, there's something that happens quite frequently in this business, which is being a head coach, then moving into a coordinator or another role at another program. That's actually a transition for the wife as well. Um, you have so much expertise to pull from. So this is a question I really wanted to ask you. What things have you learned from being a head coach's wife for the past eight years or more that you will now try to do as an assistant's wife to support Ashley Luke, the head coach's wife at Ole Miss? 
Well, first of all, I wanted to say, you know, Ashley's just wonderful. And, um, you know, I don't know if you knew, knew this, but we have had the honor of working with uh, Matt and Ashley two other times. Um, the first time we were at Old Miss with Coach Cutcliffe, um, well, the first year we were there, Matt was on the team. He was a senior on the bowl team that we came in and coached. Um, and then um, he was, I think, a graduate assistant. And then when Coach Cutcliffe took the Duke job and hired Mike as a coordinator, um, Matt was the offensive line coach there. So we have quite a um, background with the Lukes. And um, so, you know, the first thing that makes this really easy is that we're huge um, Matt and Ashley Luke fans. Mm -hmm. And so really, you know, one of the reasons we're there is to just help in any way that we can to help them and Ole Miss be successful. And um, I guess one of the things that as a head coach is like, you know, I knew before, but maybe it became more obvious is how important it is to be a team player mm-hmm. um, because we do play such an important role in the lives of our husbands and our families. And um, we have an impact and an influence. And so really, as I go in and I've told Ashley this, that really all I want to do is be able to support Ashley and whatever Ashley needs, because, you know, each person, you know, support looks different for each person. And, um, so, you know, like, I'm just open to support her in any way that feels supportive to her. I know she must be very grateful to have you on the staff. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just just one that brings that wealth of knowledge and then just a servant's heart and to be loyal, you know, and that's a big thing. Yeah. It's important. Coach's wife, um, just the loyalty of the people that, are on the program. They're all going one direction. And I know a big deal is to have that trust. And then she has that obviously in you. And so I, you mentioned it. And so I had to dive a little deeper on this. It sounds like <laughs> Mike McIntyre for quite some time. How did you meet him? So when Mike's dad was a coach as well, and he had actually been the defensive coordinator at Old Miss and got the head job at Vanderbilt and that was when we were in junior high so Mike had gone half the year um, in Oxford and then moved in the middle of the year to um, Nashville and we both went to Brentwood Academy we both played basketball at the time and um, it was you know sort of in the middle of the season and after Christmas the first time I ever saw him you know was playing basketball because the girls team would play before the boys team and um, the story he tells is that um, he was waiting for, with the boys team to come out of the locker room for our game to finish up. And uh, our game went into overtime and I got fouled and was at the free throw line and I made both my free throws. So he fell in love with me. <laughs> so I like to say, if I had missed those free throws, I don't know what my life would look like. <laughs> but that's when we met. <laughs> Hey, at least you can play, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then did you date in high school? We did. We did. We uh, dated in high school. I mean, we were friends for a while, you know, then dated in high school and, um, you know, dated most of college, but we definitely, you know, dated some other people. And and uh, he started at Vanderbilt playing for his dad. And then his dad got fired after his sophomore year. So he transferred to Georgia Tech. Um, So that was actually sort of because I stayed at Vanderbilt. He was at Georgia Tech. And, you know, that was a good couple of years for us to, um, you know, sort of just make sure that it was the right thing. And then we ended up getting married like a week after graduation. And we've been married almost 30 years. So absolutely incredible. I love this story. So I know you have children, names and ages. Okay. So we have Jennifer. Um, of course, all three were born in three different places as most <laughs> coaches family. Um, Jennifer, um, she went to Baylor undergrad and then ended up going to University of Colorado grad school. And she's now a speech pathologist in Denver. And she's actually, we're We've got a lot of life changes going on right now. Um, She's engaged and she's going to be married June 29th. 
So we're doing wedding planning and we're about to bring a new family member on board, Blake, who we're so excited about. Both our boys approved. So that's never happened before for her. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have Jay and um, Jay just graduated in December from University of Colorado. And if you watched any of our games, he actually was a receiver on our team. Um, So he was the coach's son playing and, you know, that, is a whole nother uh, story in itself. Um, he handled it beautifully and um, graduated in December and now just recently took a job at Southeastern University as the wide receiver coach and a graduate assistant there, but he can also actually coach the, the wide receivers there. So he's followed in the footsteps of his grandfather and his father and started his coaching career. So we're excited about that. And then we have Johnston, and Johnston is the one that was two weeks old when we moved to Oxford, and uh, now he is a sophomore at Chapman University, which is in Orange, California. Uh, he plays football there, Division Three, and he just loves it, great place to visit. And I guess another interesting fact about us right now is that we're in four time zones. Oh. We're in California, Colorado, Mississippi, and Florida, and so that's our, that's you know, this is the first time we've ever moved without kids, period. And then now we're also in four time zones. So, I mean, knowing when to text somebody, you have to pause and exactly. Think, Who am I texting and what time is it there? Right. I have to go back. <laughs> you have to think about that. <laughs> yes, you do. Now, I have to go back and ask you this. Uh, this is just, you know, off the cuff here. Is it harder to be a coach's wife or the mother of a player? Um, That's. You know, I got a double whammy, so I don't know that I can separate those (laughs) because they were going on at the same time. You know, I think there's just dynamics all over the place. I mean, it was on the one hand, it's funny, you know, because people when when Jay decided to play, you know, for because he had other opportunities. But when he decided to play for his dad, um, you know, I remember you know, him asking my husband, because he played for his dad, you know, and his dad got fired in the middle of it, you know, would you do it again? And he said, absolutely. You know, the, you know, it was hard, but, you know, I also learned so much, you know, I got to be under my dad's mentorship as a coach, you know, for those years. And it's been invaluable for the rest of my life and my career. And um, another thing that that Mike said, I don't live in my uh, fears. I live in my hopes and my dreams. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he said that as a mother, because in some ways I was sort of wanting Jay to go somewhere else just because I didn't want him to have to put up with what he was going to have to put up with, you know, um, being in that role. But, you know, as soon as he said that, you know, because really what was holding me back from embracing it were my fears. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's what we have to do a lot is like, instead of living in our fears, living in our hopes and our dreams. And did it all work out, you know, without things to be fearful of? No, but with the Lord's hand on it, you know, we have to believe that all things do work together for good. That's right. I love that verse. Now you've alluded to it a little bit. Your father-in-law, George McIntyre, had the exact same job that your husband has now, became head coach at Vanderbilt. what kind of things, you know, we all take from our parents and, and ways we want to include some of that things that we learned growing up into how we raise our kids. So were there some things that you guys tried to focus on already being in this business and kind of understanding how it works when you're raising your children? He was in the business. I was just living vicariously through his family. My family was born and raised in Nashville. We've been in Nashville several generations and Yes, I was a part of their journey um, because I was Mike's girlfriend during the time that, you know, they were um, going through the ups and downs of their Vanderbilt experience. Um, And so, yes, I did have that firsthand experience and I did see how they operated as a family. And I would say, you know, the number one thing for them and the number one thing for us would be, you know, our faith. being the foundation mm-hmm. of our lives. So as far as, you know, that, we got a wonderful example. For Mike, I would say that his dad 
um, mentorship and his example um, is invaluable to him in how his life has progressed. Um, he was the type kid that his mother would, you know, put him on the school bus, but he would get off at the stop that wasn't at home, but would get off to get to walk to his dad's office. Mm. And he would sit with his dad and, you know, be around the office and be around the players. And he was just that kid. So from a young age, you know, his dad was so influential and, you know, his dad did things right. And his dad cared about kids and his dad um, planted positive seeds and everything that Mike ended up wanting to be, you know, his dad represented to him. And it's really the reason that he went into the business and was able to overlook maybe some of the hard things was that he had such a great example of somebody who did it right and did it for the right reasons. And what's also neat to have had them is that we get to see some of the fruit of the labor Mm. because his dad was bedridden for at least 15 years with uh, MS towards the end of his life. And during that time, we got to see so many of his former players that would come back around and, you know, sort of those seeds that he had planted had sprouted and become fruit. And so what an encouragement that is for us in the time of life when we're planting. And, you know, you see some results, but not, you know, everything. And and you can sort of let go of those results knowing that they're in the Lord's hand, that you just get to be you know, a part of it. Um, but that's been such an encouragement as well. Um, an interesting story um, was that at, at Mike's dad's funeral, and I don't know the name, but there was a guy that came back that he actually had to kick off the team mm-hmm. and hadn't, Mike hadn't seen him in, you know, 30 years. And he was the first one at the funeral. And he told Mike, you know, I got to go visit with your dad and tell him this, but I want you to know, that your dad kicked me off the team, but he was the only man that ever showed me tough love and it changed my life. That's why we do this. Right. (laughs) So for that reason, we, you know, getting that example and being able to see the fruit of your labor, you know, you can let go of some of the negativity and some of the hard parts because you know that, you know, your part is just to plant seed. And then you can trust the Lord with the rest and let him produce the fruit in somebody's life. But what is that seed? That seed is to love them. Mm. You know, we're really just called to love them where they are and to try to encourage them and um, try to help them, challenge them to, to have a future through their academics and to use football to get an education and, you know, to do the best they can and to um, give back. and. You know, there's just so many things that we have the opportunity to speak and to live out before young people. This is where I really learned what I've already learned a lot. Um, but I learned so much from these answers. It's hard to answer. And I can already tell you that you won't want to answer this question, but I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you to do it. You have to brag on yourself a little bit. Patricia, you've been the backbone of a highly successful coach. What few things do you think you've done that has contributed to the success of his career and your lives as a family? Well, as we talked about before, um, I had a little preview of the ups and downs of this life, you know, just having seen it vicariously through Mike's family um, and that there would be uncertainty and chaos and um, fear. Um, And I needed a way, you know, to find an anchor for my life that would actually hold me up. And for me, my anchor is my faith in Christ and him being the same, you know, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, um, you know, he is that firm foundation to anchor my life. If I've done anything right, it's been anchoring my life in Christ Mm. because I do believe that as a coach's wife, we are called upon to support our families through the ups and downs. And if we're not anchored ourselves, it's going to be really hard to provide that solid ground for anybody else. 
Um, so if I've done anything right, I've focused on Christ being my anchor. Um, and then the other thing that I heard early on, and I'm so thankful I did, was a verse that says, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tends her, tears hers down. Hmm. And I was so thankful to have heard that verse very early in my marriage and, and uh, being a mother. Because there's a couple things that um, really changed my perspective. I'm not sure if change is the right word, but really um, made me intentional towards my role as a wife, a mother, a coach's wife, whatever role I have. Um, one being that we do, that verse tells us that we do have an influence. We're either going to build or tear down. I mean, we have a huge influence on our house. Now that says our house and that is our family and that's our main uh, circle of influence. But here, this, this job that our husbands have taken opens up a whole new circle of influence. And so who does that include? Well, that includes, you know, this group of young men, a hundred plus, hmm. you know, and then it includes, you know, all these coaches, wives and families, you know, that we get to interact with you know, almost on a daily basis. And then so many others, you know, in the, in the community and society at large. So, I mean, I just being intentional Mm -hmm. in building and not tearing down has been an important thing to keep in mind for me. And not to say that I have done it perfectly by any means, but, you know, we also can learn from mistakes we make because we're never going to do anything perfectly. But being intentional about the things that, as you look ahead, you want to be, has helped me maybe be a little more successful in being that. Wow, that's so powerful. What do you think would kind of surprise people to know about being a head coach's wife or a coach's wife in general? One thing that I do share with younger coaches' wives, because, you know, there are some very hard moments we're sort of in the trenches together mm-hmm. and so you know at times you know just like when you're in battle you know you have some battle wounds um and so it can feel like you're just getting shot at from from every side you know as far as being in the trenches together but in hindsight being in the trenches together is what ultimately gives you that amazing close, intimate relationship that most people desire. Mm -hmm. And so when I look back, we've been married 30 years coming up in June. Yes, there were some hard times in the trenches, you know, yes, there were, you know, there are battle wounds, but to look at those challenges almost as opportunities to bond with your husband and to bond with your children because now my children are out of the house, but we have a bond that will never end. And a lot of it comes from those hard times when we were in the trenches together. Mm-hmm. So I guess, I don't know if that answers your question, but I guess how I'm going to come around to answering it is that maybe it would surprise people how much of a role a coach's wife plays in their husband's lives. Because from the public eye, you know, they see this, public figure who you know is the coach but we know the whole man the heart of the man the vulnerabilities of the man um the dreams of the man you know and so and we get the opportunity to be in the trenches and do it together and 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 do this this thing together because I really think that it's necessary and the wife plays a necessary role in a man's life to be able to be in that battle, wow. if that makes sense. <laughs> so much depth to your answers. I love it. Um, <laughs> Kathy Miles of Kansas, Mary Beth Smart at Georgia, about how to block out negative things that are said about your husband. What methods have you used when dealing with negative comments? Well, I think the most important thing for me is just to guard my heart from it. Um, you know, there's a lot out there that we could just completely feed ourselves with Mm -hmm. that does nothing to 
help anything, whether it be good or bad. And like in our business, you know, you're basically from the world's eyes, you're a hero or a zero. Mm. And so like, if I'm going to, you know, go and try to read everything about my husband in the good times so that I can feed myself and my ego or our family's ego, you know, as they define him as a hero. And then, you know, well, how quickly is he going to become that zero? Like, that's what I think we have to guard our hearts from feeding ourselves and buying into anything hero or zero because the reality is that you know we have our identity can't be based on the opinions of others because like if this is a calling for us to help young men become boys become men then you know that's what we have to keep our eyes on Mm -hmm. you know and there's just as much to learn in a young man's life when things go bad as there is good. And, you know, like we, if we're truly saying that we're trying to impact young people and try to come alongside them in their journey, then we need to seize the opportunities in the bad times just as much as we do celebrating with them in the good times. And our response is going to speak volumes to them because they're watching us as their role models. So for for me, um, I go back to my faith, um, and there's a verse in Hebrews that says we have to fix our eyes on Jesus, and he's the author and perfecter of our faith. And just as Peter, you know, had his eyes on Jesus and was able to walk on water, you know, in my own life, I can walk. If my eyes are on Christ and what he's calling me to do through the good and the bad and the storms and the waves, then I can walk on water. But as soon as I look away at a wave, I'm going to sink just like Peter did. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's sort of the analogy that I have to keep in mind. You know, yeah, I'm tempted to, to, to look at something or read something, but I don't often do it because, you know, whether it's good or bad, it's really a distraction to what we're called to do. You're right. It's a trigger to spiral out. You know, it really, and it really means nothing to what our ultimate goal is. You know, what you know, and what I know is that what's going on in that room with that hundred plus young men and those coaches and the families involved and the support system involved, the outside world has no idea what's really going on in that room and the seeds that are being planted and the even the positivity of what's going on in that room could be so different than what's being portrayed through the media and the outside world. And so to look away at somebody that's just trying to write a story or that's trying to bring in opinion really gets you off track on focusing on what's really going on in that room. You're exactly right. Are those some of the things that you, tell Mike and just remind him of during the highs and lows of coaching college football? Are these some of the things that you just, Hey, you know what? Let's just focus on this. Is that what you kind of share with him in those moments? Well, I would say we share that with each other because in any relationship, you know, one will be stronger and another one might, you know, need to remind the other. (laughs) So I would say it's a constant, you know, reminding of each other um you know why we're doing this and um you know that you know we can trust that seeds are being planted and that we're trying to be obedient to that call and so not to really put the results of that in a box even though that's hard Mm -hmm. yes we're being paid to win and lose football games And so, you know, of course, that has to be your focus. And, you know, that's the vehicle. But what's the more important part, really, is these young men's lives that are 18 when they get to you. And that's the other thing that people forget, is that they're 18 years old when they're signing that scholarship. And they're 22 when they leave. Mm -hmm. What an amazing 
you know, chapter of life to be able to come when the parents, you know, send their kids off and sort of hand you the torch. There's going to be a lot of challenges and a lot of joys during that time. And there's a lot of teachable moments. So I would say that we, um, you know, we both try to keep this perspective and, you know, hopefully, you know, are able to remind each other and keep each other focused. Um, Hopefully we both don't have a, both of us don't have a bad day on the same day. Right. (laughs) Sometimes we do. (laughs) And sometimes we all do. And that's when we kind of have to, you know, obviously go back to, to ground zero. Okay. God, get us through this. Right strengthen our faith. Right. We also have to have people that have walked that road or do you have a mentor or someone that you call in those moments where it's like, gosh, I'm having one of those days. Yes, I do. But she's not a coach's wife. She's my sister. I love it. <laughs> and this is interesting. Um, I actually have two sisters and a brother and they're all very supportive, but I have uh, my younger sister um, is who I normally call would call And what's great about Debbie, one of the great things about Debbie, is that she's also known my husband since she was in the fourth grade. So he's more like a brother than he is a Mm brother-in-law. So, you know, that is a special relationship in itself. And so I know, just like if he was her true brother, she always has his back, just like I have his back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is is unique I think um and I I know that's an incredible blessing the other we've always been really close and she's journeyed through all of the ups and downs with us she's always that supportive person and not to mention that she truly her job she is a counselor so I have a (laughs) built-in counselor (laughs) so yeah it works it does you've said I do have a lot of other yeah I do have a lot of you know, incredible, beautiful, strong, you know, coaches' wives in my life too. Um, But you know how that is, it's sort of almost seasonal. But you know, the thing about coaches' wives, as you have come into contact with them, and then maybe you move to a different season, you hold these special places in your heart for these women, that the minute you see them again, you know, you're back to square one of your relationship, you may or may not talk to them regularly. There's some I do, some that I don't. But they all hold such a special place in my heart and I've learned something from each and every one of them. You have. Oh yeah. And I have too. I mean, there's some very special women during some seasons of our life where, uh, Hey, you're the only one that's going to get this to this level because you know, this right. is happening and you know, they cry with you and they, you know, have joy with you. And so that's, it's a very special thing. Coaches wives all across the country. Uh, What are some practical ways you try to show Mike's players that they mean more to you and your family than the number they wear? One thing we do, and I hear a lot of coaches, you know, doing this, and it's important, is to try to create, you know, as much of a family atmosphere as possible. Um, I think it's important to, you know, get to know as much as you can about the young man outside of football. and. And, you know, we may or may not, you know, get that opportunity in each and every boy's life. But I think if nothing else, you get to be around them and see them enough that you can impart just a word of encouragement, you know, just a seed of positivity in their life, just a smile, a hug, you know, um, a welcome, you know, it's just, I think creating that family atmosphere, there's ways that, you know, being a head coach, there's lots of ways you can do that. Um, And we tried to do as many things as we could to try to create that. Um, But um, that's, you know, one thing. The other thing is, I mean, so I have a couple of special desserts. Yes. (laughs) You feed them. Um, And, you know, it's funny because, there's two desserts and it makes for, I should give every coach's wife this recipe because it makes for so many kids and I can make, you know, pans and pans of it without much trouble. And they, if I ever make anything else, they like, where is it? <laughs> and so it sort of become, you know, almost like 
you know, a carrier of love, like a, an expression of love. Mm-hmm. They sort of look when they see me, you know, they look for it. And so that's been sort of cool to mm-hmm. see that sort of develop over the nine years that we've been able to be a, um, a head coach. Um, and it's just simple banana pudding. And then a, another dish that's basically a similar like chocolate and cool whip and mm-hmm. you know that type of and you can make for a lot of kids but they love it <laughs> there's lots of little ways that you can just express that you care about the kids and it's not just about their performance on the field it's about them as an individual absolutely now our guys spend so much time away um, recruiting game planning whatever it may be this is a personal question. So what are some things that you like to do that you find fulfilling when you get some time alone? Well, I mean, one of the things, and I mean, I think it's really important to develop sort of a healthy rhythm of life, whatever that looks like for you. For me, that does include exercise. And, um, you know, depending on the season in life, that's looked some different ways. Um, like when we're in Colorado, you know, it was awesome to be able to hike up the mountains and, you know, um, just be in, in nature. And, you know, I've routinely been a runner and actually Mike is a runner too. So that's also given us something when we can that, you know, we're able to do together. Um, so exercise is definitely something that I try to incorporate into each day. Um, you know, uh, women's Bible study is also important to me. I mean, it's sort of like I've just learned um, a healthy rhythm for my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being, if I have an, a little extra time, just going to lunch with some girlfriends, you know, or something like that, you know, is very enjoyable or my, my sisters, whether he's there or not. I just think for me, it's been so important just to find that healthy rhythm of life, which includes mainly, you know, exercise and um and and spending time in in the word and being involved in your church or your community and volunteering and giving back now do you have like a standing date in the football season that little 15 or 20 minute lunch break that you guys take together to stay connected and that looks different you know in the seasons of life as well i mean you're at a different season of life than i am and what's interesting is that we're we've sort of been in a different season for the last couple of years our our youngest son is a um, sophomore so for two years um you know we've been empty nesters now as you know and I tell people this when they say what's it like being an empty nester we're never going to be empty nesters completely until we're not coaching anymore because the void of having kids around is not there we have kids around and you know, we get to interact with kids on a daily basis because of our job or Mike's job. But, um, but it is different now in that we do have more time when we have time to be together because we don't have the pull of, you know, going three different directions to three different games, you know, that our kids are playing in. Um, and so we're, we're spending quite a lot of time together, <laughs> you know, especially, you know, in the off season. And what's interesting is um, I may even go on some recruiting trips with him because one of his areas is Nashville and that's where I'm from. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, not that I'm going to be riding around in the car and going to schools with him, but I might hitch a ride and, you know, go visit my family. And then he's going, he's also going to, you know, Texas where we've lived before and I'm, you know, may try to go there and see some friends. So I'm just at a different season where we may be able to spend a little more time together, which is nice. What are some things that are just, you would say, and I think you've touched on a lot of it, but the most rewarding aspects to you about being a coach's wife? And I think I have probably touched on them. Um, I'm really proud of my husband. Um, Not because he's won every game, you know, or, because he's gotten some awards, but because of who I know him to be day in and day out. And I've known him for so long. And, you know, I saw this vision for what he aspired to do in life, develop really early in life. 
and to sort of watch that um, come to life and not in his own strength, but in the strength of the Lord and in the timing of the Lord and with the results being the Lord. Because as you know, I mean, all our results are not what we wanted. Mm-hmm. And yet we have to trust those in the Lord's hands as well. And, you know, we're entrusted with like a little piece of his kingdom for a window of time. And that's it. You know, we move from a window to a window. Sometimes we leave. Sometimes they they make us leave. Mm-hmm. But regardless, it doesn't matter because for that little window of time, We've been entrusted with some very valuable life. And so if we can look at it like, wow, I have this opportunity, then when they ask you to leave, like they just recently did for us, you know, we can look back and say, wow, thank you, Lord, that we were entrusted with these young men for six seasons. And now you have another assignment for us. Yeah, we have a different role. You know, we're a defensive coordinator, not not the head coach but we're still entrusted with a piece of the kingdom and we still have half a team of young men's lives that we are entrusted with. And so, you know, it's really just, um, and I don't even know if I answered your question, but just being aware of, you know, your calling and not trying to put it in a box and to understand that in whatever role you've been given, you have an influence, you have an impact. And I'm just so thankful that we have a job that we as a family and my kids, if you ever want to interview them, I'm sure they would love to, you know, give their insight because they've lived a, you know, crazy life on paper. But the reality is we've got an opportunity to do this together. And we've been in those trenches together. We've celebrated together. We've cried together. We've moved together. And now we're 30 years in and our kids are 27, 24, and 20. And you can never take away what's been built in those years of, of being in the trenches together. And that will continue as we do Now we're having a son-in-law join the family and, you know, he's already, you know, part of us. And, you know, he's, went through what we just went through at Colorado and he shared our grief, you know, and you almost have to let people share your grief too, because, you know, then you become bonded. Mm -hmm. And if you can sort of see that all those human emotions are, are part of the story, part of the beauty, part of the blessing that don't feel like it at the time, but when you join together and you experience it together and you let other people in to, support you and love you through it and you do the same for others then you look back and those are some of your biggest blessings and if we could know that when we're in the middle of grief then it just makes us more hopeful and looking forward to what will come from it and I don't even know if I answered your question (laughs) these are the most most powerful words I think I've ever heard on a coach and his wife and family and impact and transition seasons. I have been moved to tears during this. This is powerful. And I'm just so grateful you opened your heart and you just shared just wide open. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I needed this. I don't know if you're taking out well, a mentee or not, but um, I want to be the first one. On no. <laughs> no, for sure. Wow. I mean, it's just because of, you know, the journey and just learning. And I think, you know, that's what's so great about what you're providing right here through this platform is that this gives us the opportunity. The thing that we don't want coaches wise to feel is isolated. Right. And, you know, so often I think that can happen, but this platform allows them to see that they're not alone, that the, although they have a unique calling that, there are others that have gone through the ups and downs as they have and understand without having to know all the details, you know, what they might be feeling or going through. That's right. 
That's right. You're not alone out there. You're listening. You may have gone through what we've gone through and the McIntyres have gone through. You're not alone without question. Fast five questions for you. Ready? <laughs> yes, I think. Crazy. Okay. <laughs> What's the last book you've read? Uh, Circle Maker by uh, Mark Batterson. Oh, that's a good one. Mike surprises you and walks in the door with concert tickets. What's going to be printed on that ticket? The last one we went to was, was uh, Keith Urban, which I loved. Uh, but oh, I would yeah. love to see Rascal Flatts. I've never seen Rascal Flatts. <laughs> you need to, need to go back home. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> they, of course, I started really uh, enjoying their music. I always have. But side note, they give a ton of money to Vanderbilt Children's Hospital with my daughter was there for quite a while. Oh, awesome. That's good that. to hear. Okay. Everyone has a few things that might need replacing around the house. Maybe it's in your garage. Maybe it's in your closet. What's the ugliest thing you own? Probably some old clothes that I haven't gone through. I mean, actually, the one thing that happens in moving around like we, we do is we clean things out. <laughs> so I, if, it's, if I thought it was ugly, I probably got rid of it. But I haven't gone through my closet as well so there's probably some things in there that are pretty ugly <laughs> i love when i ask that question to uh, uh moms who have some teenagers they're like well my son or my daughter would say that pair of jeans i wear yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly you might need to ask the kids about that one <laughs> <laughs> if you could have dinner with someone other than a family member current or from history who would that be i think that would be mother Teresa. i really do i've i've read some books on her and I just she just her heart of being a servant just astounds me and just giving up herself dying to herself you actually get a night alone what show would you binge watch and I just finished this series but it was the crown I don't know if you ever saw it but oh. it's it's on Netflix it's pretty interesting it's the Orioles and it just gives you you know one thing that really opened my eyes to is just how hard it is to be a leader. Mm -hmm. And I think you find that in coaching too, is how, you know, you really have to stand on your principles and be really strong um, with lots of people telling you, you know, what would be a better way or what they would do or, and, you know, I just really um, gained a lot of respect watching that. So <laughs> Phenomenal. I, already been, I guess that's, a, I've already binged on that. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much, Trisha, for sharing your story. Well, thank you, Brandon. Make sure to subscribe to the Coach's Wife Live podcast. And for a replay of this episode or previous episodes, visit coacheswifelife.org and follow us on social media at Coach's Wife Life.